Hey everyone, Jason Malone here. Welcome to the Jesus on Display podcast. Before we begin today's content, I wanted to say thanks for supporting us here at Fellowship Greenville with your gifts and your generosity. Because of your giving, we get to share resources like this podcast with you to help reach you wherever you are in your life with Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministry of Fellowship Greenville, you can head to fellowshipgreenville.org forward slash give to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. There have been some uh, more recent archaeological discoveries at the site of ancient Gath that lets us know that during this time period, there was someone named Goliath talked about amongst the Philistines. And yes, there is some debate on exactly how tall Goliath was, and I'm so excited that I get to be the one today to clear that up by saying definitively, he was really tall. (laughs) Taller than you, taller than me, Tall enough to scare you to death if you had to battle him. And his armor, we read right here, weighed 125 pounds. That is the size of some of you wrapped around his neck, just hanging out, getting ready to go to battle. And then for fun, he had a spear where the tip of the spear was 15-ish pounds and someone carried his shield. So he was a fairly confident fellow. He seemed to have some good things going for him as far as warrior giants go. I'm sure he had some knee issues because he's tall. (laughs) He's carrying around all of that weight. That's speculation on my part. That was not in a commentary anywhere. (laughs) How do I know that he was quite confident because of what he said? He was quite braggadocious. Look at verse eight. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then he will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy, verse 10 says, the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now, before we talk about this, history matters a bit because this is not the first time, historically, that the children of Israel have faced some giants. Some of you might remember that after God rescued the children of Israel from the Egyptians and being slaves, they went to the edge of Canaan, the promised land. And there you can read about this in Numbers 13 is where you can pick up the story, but here's a quick synopsis for you. Moses sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan to do a little recon mission. And 10 of the 12 spies came back and said this. This is Numbers 13, verse 31. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers and that's what they thought too. Now, as the story goes, the other two spies, a guy named Caleb and a guy named Joshua, They didn't agree with the other 10. Their response was, 
Let's go. The Lord will give us the land. It's been promised. But the people were terrified of the giants and they didn't move forward. And as a result, if you know the story, it's gonna be 40 years of all of them with the exception of Caleb and Joshua wandering and then dying, not in the promised land, but in the wilderness. I say that to say this, with the children of Israel, there is giant history. And if you come to this part of the journey for the children of Israel, it's interesting to me that it's not 40 years, but we do read down in verse 16, maybe symbolic. First Samuel 17, 16 says, for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. Braggadocious, taunting, it's also interesting that Saul was described earlier back in chapter nine of 1 Samuel, interestingly enough, as taller than everyone else as he was chosen to be king. Yet it says here in verse 11 that he was terrified and deeply shaken as God has now, as we looked at last week, rejected him as king. But it's not all hopeless because there's this guy who goes by the name David, who seems to think very similarly to the guys from back in the day by the name of Caleb and Joshua. Big giants, not a problem for our bigger God. Now notice, and I think this is important, back in verse eight of chapter 17, Goliath's offer in regards to this battle, this fight was this. Israel, you pick a guy and then I'll be the guy for the Philistines, and it's a winner-take-all fight to the death. I kill your guy, you become our slaves. Your guy kills me, we become your slaves. That's the offer, that's the deal. That's the taunt, that's the come on, let's get this on. And I don't have time to walk through all of it today, verse by verse, but if you keep, re keep reading here in chapter 17, you're gonna see that David, who had been anointed by Samuel to be the future king, was splitting time between serving the current king, Saul, and taking care of things back home by being a shepherd. And as Charlie mentioned last week, David's dad, Jesse, actually had eight sons and his three oldest boys, they're already out with this army and everything with Israel and everything that's going on with the Philistines and Goliath. And so Jesse sends David to take some food to his brothers. Look with me, if you would, in verse 20. This is what it says. <clears throat> so David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelites' army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. All right, here we go. Pump ourselves up. Verse 21, soon the Israelites and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. Verse 22 says, David left his things with the keeper of supplies and he hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks and then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Verse 24, as soon as the Israelites' army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king, however, has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. The Bible's great. Isn't it? Let's stop here very briefly. 
How do you like that for a reward? Some of you single guys are going, well, I don't know, maybe, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. Or if you have a pretty large tax bill, it's kind of a win-win as I was thinking about it. Either I win and I don't have to pay my taxes or he kills me and I don't have to pay my taxes. <laughs> David gets wind of the deal and the offer. And again, you can read this this week. There's a little interaction between him and one of his brothers, but basically his brother accuses David of being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong motives. But let's pick up the story in verse 32. David says, uh, <clears throat> don't worry about the Philistine. He said that to Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. Verse 34, but David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too for he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So David's like, let's go, I'm in. I'm gonna go fight Goliath. And Saul says, no way, you're tiny. He's gonna crush you. And then David says, well, listen to my fighting resume, which includes fighting a lion and a bear, which in fairness is a pretty good fighting resume. It's better than yours, and it's definitely better than mine. There was this one kid in first grade, but that's about all I got. It must have been somewhat convincing if you look back in verse 37. It says, Saul finally consented and said, all right, and may the Lord be with you. Again, I'm not trying to make just a ton of jokes, but if you don't have a great sense of humor as you read through, the Bible has a great sense of humor. Verse 38, Saul gives David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, he strapped on the sword over it. He took a step or two to see what it was like because he had never worn such things before. And then he says, I can't go in these things. He protested to Saul, I'm not used to him. Not only is he not used to him, I've already told you that Saul's a pretty tall guy. He's not Goliath tall, but he's a really tall dude and David's not that big. So it says that David took them off again. Verse 40 says he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and he put them into a shepherd's bag. And then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Verse 41. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Verse 43. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Let me take a minute here and address what has continued to happen throughout this chapter. Goliath has continuously spoken in a way that dishonors God. Mocked him defied him, derided him, Yahweh and the children of Israel. Go back to verse 26. I didn't, I didn't read through it the first time around. Here it is. David says, <clears throat> he asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Look at this. 
Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? It's not lost on me that these are actually the first words we have David speaking as captured by the author. Like up to this point, he's been in the story, but he hasn't said anything. And the first things we have recorded that he's saying, I believe tells us a little bit about his worldview. And his worldview would be this. There is a living God. And if there is a living God, that makes all the difference no matter what's going on in life. And the mocking of God and the defying of God, what did it do? It stood out to him. It captured his attention. It actually moved him towards action. Was it simply that he might get to marry a lady and not have to pay his taxes? No, no, no. It's that someone was defiling the name of God. I've asked myself this question as I've studied this week and in times past in my life. How sensitive am I to how people speak about my God? Does it stand out to me? Do you notice when people take the name of the Lord God in vain, does it resonate with you at all? Do you hear it in the show that you're watching? The music that you're listening to? It's not the point of my message today, it was just a little thinking that I was doing because Goliath was running his mouth and what Goliath was running his mouth about had everything to do about David's God. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. There it is. Verse 46 says, today the Lord will conquer you, and I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to cut off your head. And then I'm gonna give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. And as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, verse 49, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. This is an incredible scene. The stones that David had picked up would have been roughly the size of a tennis ball. And because they were smooth, they would have flown a bit straighter than jagged rocks and the speed would have reached 100 miles an hour or more. So he put a fastball right into the forehead of Goliath and dropped him. Verse 50 for good measure. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. And there you have it. The story of David versus Goliath, 
which as I was studying this week led me to this question. So what? Simply a cool story? A metaphor for life is hard, so grab your slingshot and your five stones and get ready for battle? Your five stones of prayer and faith and devotions. And I gotta come up with two other stones that I can't think of right now. A great example for us when we face the giants of life. What does it tell us about God? It tells us what David said. That there is a living God and if there is a living God that actually makes all the difference And the difference is not found in an example. The difference is found in a savior. And there's a difference between an example and a savior. Like, aren't you so thankful that when you're scared, and there's moments that I'm scared, when you're worried, there's moments I'm worried, when you're frightened, there's moments that I'm frightened, when you're anxious, there's moments that I'm anxious. Aren't you so thankful that in those moments you don't simply have an example to help you muster up courage. You've got more than that little quote that people send around social media about courage. You actually have a living God. You actually have a savior. Someone who has won the battle on your behalf because true courage is found in the true hero of our story and it's not us. David is the champion and savior of Israel on this day that we just read about. The children of Israel were the beneficiaries of someone who battled on their behalf. That's, remember, that's what Goliath had challenged David to, a representative battle, like a duel. You represent Israel, I'll represent the Philistines. Winner takes all. What does this story tell us about God? What does it remind us about in regards to Jesus? What does it mean for those of us that are in Christ? Always be asking that when you have your Bible open. It means that we as followers of Jesus have someone who has won the battle on our behalf and to this day intercedes on our behalf. Jesus is not merely your good example. Jesus is your substitute. Jesus is your champion. And that makes all the difference no matter what you're facing. If you remember in Hebrews 11, there's this long list of people you read about in the Old Testament. Some refer to them as heroes of the faith. And they're there that we might read about them. Abraham, Moses, Noah, Gideon, Samson, Samuel, they're all listed. And yes, David is in that list too. So don't forget about these guys, the author of Hebrews says. But then it says this as he goes into chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. There it is, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Yeah, 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 look at David, read about David. 
but fix your eyes on Jesus. You're not David. Look at the true champion, the true hero of our story because that is where true courage is found. So yeah, I'm not trying to minimize, I hope you hear that and I hope this doesn't come across as like, what's the Bible school answer, uh, Sunday school answer? Jesus, here's what I'm trying to say. You can talk about your fears. You got them, great, me too. Name them, what are they? What are you terrified of losing? What keeps you up at night? In what part of your life do you currently need courage? All I wanna remind you of today is you don't have to stand here today and attempt to slay the giants of your life because in and through Jesus, the giant of all giants, your sin and separation from God has been overcome through the champion, Jesus Christ. If you're in him, that has ramifications for all of life, not just heaven when you die. It changes everything and it changes everything in the here and now and it changes everything for how you face the fearful times of your life that aren't all about you, but Christ in you. The Jesus on Display podcast is produced right here at Fellowship Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Follow and share this podcast with anyone who might be interested or curious about our church community or how storytelling unites us and helps us feel more connected. To actively keep up with what's going on at our church, head to our website at fellowshipgreenville.org Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much for tuning in. Grace and peace to you for your week. We'll see you next time.